0: Welcome to Sabby Sab's podcast on call-in. Tonight, we are talking about college. Is college still worth it? The cost of living continues to increase. College grads are struggling with student loan debt. One has to ask, is college still worth it? So, 2022, I see we got a lot of people lined up to talk. I'm gonna go ahead and get started with Eric. All right,
1: Eric, you are now on the mic. Hey, Savvy, thank you for taking my call. You had a lot of good Basically, shows. Really uh, the, the show that you had today and then the one right before it, I think an hour and a half ago, before two with Corey Booker was really, really good. So, and I, I, I want you to put that, that clip when you kind of went on fire <laughs> with that guy <laughs> talking about Booker. But <clears throat> your question here about college. It's all tied into everything that we do. Uh, having the ability to go to college in the past, let's say the past twenty to thirty years, definitely provided a path to somewhat of success, depending on the level of uh, the type of college degree that you got and what school you went to. Up to a point, uh, you know, once you be- became uh, part of the workforce and you 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 kind of made your way through there. You would have had other opportunities, but the set off was getting the college degree and maybe getting an internship and creating a path uh, through that, you know, through that access through the school. <clears throat> Today, I think it's a little bit different because you could actually learn how to code. Uh, you could learn how to get certifications, like if you wanted to become a network engineer, which I have friends that do this, and they make hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, in excess in, in of that some of them. Uh, but they put in a lot of work to do this. It wasn't like overnight <clears throat> to get there. Some of them have actually got uh, with, what are called certifications. And they might have gone to like a junior college, got the certifications, got some entry-level experience, and did not go to a four-year college and now are making a lot of money in Silicon Valley. Uh, now, yep. it, conversely, even 20, 30 years ago, had you gone in what we used to call in those days, the Mickey Mouse. And I hate to say this. But,
0: oh, Eric, I think you're breaking up a little I bit.
1: said it that way. A Mickey Mouse major, a major in the liberal arts, even back then, you could Gotten a job, but it would not been a high paying job, if you will. Okay, I'm sorry. Hear me now.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're breaking up just a little bit. Oh, but I heard you say the part about um, oh even with liberal arts college. <clears throat>
1: yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me a little better now? So what I was saying yeah, was like, yeah. I mean, even with the type of degrees that you, if you got a liberal arts degree. Uh, you 're not going to make as much money uh, historically they don 't pay as well in today 's world you know I, I would you know the way that I coach people that come to me for uh not not just necessarily coaching but just guidance what I try to tell them in today 's world is that they need to get a degree whatever degree they get they need to get some slant into it or something as a part of it that deals with m i s like computer uh someone an avenue where you can actually go into a job and say, I did this much as in computers. I did this. I studied these programs because everything is geared to is gearing towards that path. And I think Eric, your, your producer was talking about being a coder and the coder, uh, the, the guys that actually, in, and women that know how to program, they are actually making the most money and they can demand a ton of money coming out of school. Uh, and that's just the way that things are sort of working out because everything is being programmed. Literally everything that we do involves some sort of coding. And, you know, what I tell people is that, yeah, you should, if you have the means to do that, I mean, not the means, if you have the knack for doing that, you should pursue that. College may not be the only way of doing it because I've got several friends who did not go the four-year route. And over a number of years, I've made, their path into now being successful and actually making, you know, money. Uh, But it took them years to get there. So the college opening the doors, it definitely does it faster than if you don't go to college. Uh, And then there's other things that are, you know, within the colleges that are also detrimental to say people like me that are, you know, I come from uh, what I consider to be challenging, a challenging economic background. Uh, It's very difficult to get into school because you're trying to just live, you're trying to just pay your bills, your parents, you may not come from a two-parent household, like I didn't. And so that there's so many challenges. And so even today, I recently went back to my, my college that I went to, which was a really, really good school here in California, um, that it hasn't changed, meaning that the percentage of people that are going there is still the same. The minority percentage is still the same. So even after 20 plus years, the schools, to some degree, they still look the same, which to me means that not much has changed in terms of the barriers that are there to allow people like myself and probably many of your listeners to get into school, if that makes sense.
0: That's a good point. Um, I do want to start off by saying, just to let people know this who may not be aware, um, I have been on both sides Mm -hmm. of the higher education system. Obviously, I was an undergrad, I was a grad student, but I've also been on the administration side, and I just want to mention that for people who are new and tuning in and may not realize that about me, so I wanted to tell you that so people understand understand like why I have the talking points that I have, being a student and being on the administration side, and the biggest concerns that I have with the university system today is that it has turned into more of a money system. It's just all about the money based on what I've seen. And I've been an academic advisor. I've also been on the finance side. And I have seen students graduating from college, particularly in the past five years. They are graduating from these universities with loads of student loan debt. And they're getting salary offers, but the salary offers are like $45,000 a year, $50,000 a year, which in the Boston area in Massachusetts, that's not much. And so my biggest concern is I don't think these kids are going to be able to pay off these student loans. If you're graduating from a school like Boston University, the tuition is like $70,000 a year and you didn't get hardly any scholarships. You're mainly relied on financial aid, student loans. How are you going to pay those loans off? And that's what I'm really concerned about is the money. I've seen these universities take in a lot of money and use it in the wrong places. They'll spend it on presidential suites. They'll spend it on a gold elevator door. They tend to have a lot of money to put into athletics, especially if you went to a sports school. I went to the University of South Carolina as a sports school. They tend to have all this money to put into the athletics. But when it comes to the actual academic environment, the classrooms are falling apart. There's some classrooms that have mold in the classrooms. There's leaky ceilings. The dorms are a mess. I saw this recently with Howard University. The kids have mold in the dorms and the university is bringing in a lot of money and they're not using it in the right way. And these kids are graduating with a lot of debt. And I think that's my biggest concern is that at the end of the day, is it worth it if you get the degree you get a job, but you're not making em- enough in that job to pay off the student loans. Like, like that's where I'm really concerned. And I'm seeing, I saw a lot of my so, students just being held back like because of it. I,
1: so I, I, I agree with you, uh, Savvy. You're 100% right over the last 20 to 30 years. But you got to remember the schools, universities are no more different, a reflection of the overall society of what's going on as far as money making and just gearing towards that. Uh, what the schools do is do they do make you more of a critical thinker in a sense. But they also can persuade you to become part of the status quo. Just like Cory Booker, you know, going to Stanford, then going to Oxford. I mean, those are probably as, as high as you could go in terms of uh, a degree that you could get from some of the best schools. And yet, you know, see what you get is somebody like Cory Booker. So... Mm-hmm. It's a very challenging thing to how do we fix, you know, what you're describing. I think one of it, one of the things that we have to do is emphasize and prioritize schools becoming free, like Eric, your producer was saying, up to six, up to the 16th grade, which is the fourth year of college and making healthcare The two emphasis that we emphasize our government to focus on. Those two things alone, if we focused on them, we can make them better, uh, you know, much better than focusing on anything else that we do. Those two things alone would change the dynamics of the whole country and society. And it would take, you know, a lot of work to do so. But it's very simple. You know, I remember my teachers asking me where would I put my money. Uh, I think one of my best teachers that I had, this guy, Mr. Williams, in my junior middle school uh, when I was going to school in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and I remember as a kid saying, if we just put all our money into schools and and in that day, I said, the hospitals got, I didn't know the word, the word healthcare, but I knew that just as a little kid, I could tell like, you know what, if we put all the money into schools and into medicine, we're going to be better off because in those days, you know, my mom was struggling as a single parent and I could see how challenging it was, you know, just to put food on the table and just the not having a father around. So those two things alone would change everything. But we don't do that as a society. Even the schools are focused on just bringing in more money and not focusing on the individuals, the people that are actually trying to, you know, make into really productive citizens. It's, it's all going back to capitalism, right? It's yeah. all going back to that. And, and I had some breakthrough teachers that actually pointed things out to me when I was in school. Some of my history teachers talking about, you know, false uh, false flags, the things that the empire, that our country has done. And those things do change how you look at things. So that's why I say, in, in my eyes, school could be a really good avenue to open up your eyes, uh, to look at how things really are and make you think differently. But I see your side, too. It's it's a gig. Right now, people are making money off of it, and not everybody has the means once they get out to actually pay off those loans. For me, twenty. 25 years ago when I graduated, uh, I, the only way I could go to school was to, uh, I got loans and I got grants Mm -hmm. and there was programs in those days that I was actually almost paying. I want to say about two thirds to a half of my school was almost free to scholarships and and grants and the rest was uh, loans. And I think it took me, it must've taken me like eight years to pay off the loans, but it was, it was minimal money relative to today's, uh, dollar. So it was, it was pretty good deal back then. Uh, but certainly today it's not, and it's not fair. So, you know, again, right. this right. is more of everything you've been saying with RBN, you know, focusing on people and not money. So thank you. Savvy. I agree.
0: Well, well said, Eric, thank you so much for calling. I'm gonna go ahead to the next caller, which is, uh, Kusha, And I do want to say something uh, really quickly before I bring um, Kusha in. Eric brought up something about free college. And I I do believe that public universities in this country should be free. Uh, The biggest problem I think we're going to run into with that is the military industrial complex, because one of the benefits that the military offers is free college. So I think that's part of the reason why they don't want to make these public universities free in the United States, because that's one of the recruiting benefits that the military-industrial complex would have to remove. I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Kusha. All right, Kusha, you are
2: on the mic. Good evening, Savvy. Thank you so much for bringing me on the mic. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you once again.
0: Greetings. Thanks so much for joining.
2: Definitely. I think you raise um, a very important topic about education, uh, specifically about college. I think that on the one hand, it's crucial to consider the marketability of one's college education, especially given um, the current capitalist economy of the United States, how brutal it can be uh, if you don't have your bearings. By that I mean if you're not able to sustain yourself either through your um, you know, background educationally or through your family or through your connections. I think always education is valuable. I think that one thing though, is people should be students always. That's one of the defining principles of the School of Business at uh, the University of California, Berkeley, which I help teach classes through. And I think that that the educational experience in the United States, undergraduate, graduate, and so on, what it most fundamentally does, given the nature of neoliberal capitalism, is it provides a sense of ethos. And when an ethos by that, I mean a mode of persuasion, which Aristotle talks about, I think in his book, Rhetoric. And of course, there are senses of pathos and logos, pathos being uh, convincing people through your sense of emotions, logos being through your sense of logic and reason, and ethos being your credibility and authority. And that's, of course, foremost for so many people who just want to make a dollar, um, who just want to... Uh, progress up the perceived ladder socially and financially and so on and so forth. Um, And I think that there is a benefit through the undergraduate experience if one makes use of it through the network that can be established. Not that the internet, of course, and through um, other milieu, uh, one cannot establish that, but there's a social capital through having the mutual background of an educational experience with other people. It helps your naming I mean helps your name, your resume, your authority, your credibility, your brand. At the same time, the concern that you have for student debt is a very serious one. And it's even one I raised to one of my former professors at Berkeley. His wife is currently the Secretary of Energy for Joe Biden. Her name is Jen Granholm. She also used to be the governor of Michigan. I raised it to him very clearly on one of his blog posts that he shares to his former alumni. And I in fact what you did just in this episode by mentioning the war machine and how it detracts from the educational experience. I raised the same thing to him. Um, I told him in this blog post response that I gave him that the war budget for Biden for 2022 or what have you is like $768 billion. And it's only grown since the Trump administration. And on the other hand, we have over 44.7 million people drowning in $1.86 trillion of student loan debt. And, you know... Clearly, the Lyndon Baines Johnson administration signed in the Higher Education Act of 1965, um, giving the Secretary of Education the power to uh, enforce, pay, compromise, waive, or release any right title claim, lien, or demand, however acquired. And um, th- there's no political will to do so from the Biden administration. And obviously, um, he ignores the left. He obviously sees that, justifiably in his case, that they, they, whether he listens or not, he can do whatever he wants. Wants. And so I think that education, of course, if you look back, you know, to the days of uh, Aristotle, even, it's something that people who have had the means and the resources always have valued. like Alexander the Great, one of the most influential uh, military leaders who spread through bloodshed and war and genocide in like Thebes, Egypt, entire Lebanon, but he did spread um, a religious tolerance and economic tolerance for trade through the learnings of Aristotle, when his dad seeked out Aristotle, he wanted like a great tutor. So I think there is always a value to an education, especially if one's pursuing what they're most interested in, what they most have a passion for, what they most want to set their mind and their hearts to. So I would never discourage anyone from pursuing whatever uh, intellectual uh, pursuit, whatever intellectual aspiration that they have, even knowing that there is uh, an educational, I mean, trade-off of being indebted. I think that, what we have to do as as a whole is be willing to stand up for one another um, by putting political pressure on those who have the levers of power under their control to make it such that the case is these people took on this burden because you promised them a better life as a result of it and they want to better their minds and their spirit and their morale. Uh, I think that's how I see this matter. Of course, I realize that the drain from the student loan debt is – unbearable for so many people and the promises that are not kept are always um painful for those who believe that things might change so I didn't believe much of what Biden said at all Mm.
0: thank you so much for that Kusha I'm going to go ahead to the next uh next caller
2: sure thank you very much
0: all right so the next caller is Jewel is it like Jewel the singer We shall see. All right, Jewel, you are the next caller. You are on the mic.
3: Hi, Savvy. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's Jewel. I like that nickname. My full name's Juliet, so I comment a lot on your um, live streams and stuff. Um, But, yeah, my name's Jewel. I am 30,000 negative in the hole because of student debt. Um, I would say college is only worthwhile if you wanted to play the game if you want to do the networking um that is probably your the best move there but if you're trying to like learn something or to like not be a conformist more than likely you're not gonna really get what you want or what you need sorry i'm so i'm excited so i'm just
0: Oh, well, um, welcome, welcome. Um, I want to comment on that really quick. Uh, what you were just saying about um getting like what you really need, and that's another thing that concerns me about higher education today. I don't feel that we are using our time wisely in the traditional four-year university system in the United States. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I could have easily got my degree in two years had I not had to take all of these other core classes that had absolutely nothing to do with my major. I took three histories in high school. I took four Englishes in high school. Did I need Mm. to take three histories again in college? You know, it's like, did I need to take four science classes in college that had absolutely nothing to do with my degree taking another chemistry and chemistry in high school. So I feel like this is just another way that the university system makes money off of the students. And students are customers. And I want everyone to understand, like students are customers.
3: Yeah, I love, I agree. I love how you talk about this discussion. That's why I wanted to call in today because I went to like a a no name college for your school, but it was, uh, it's called Moravian College. No one here probably has ever heard of it. It's like Quakers, but I really liked where Moravians came from. It was one of the first colleges in America that accepted women. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, I love where they're coming from. They they have progressive potential, but when I got there, I was just a brand. I was just I I did all the extracurriculars, but it was really just advertising for the school. Like I was part of an activities council, which was like the student government, and really what I was supposed to do was make Moravian look good. But I was like dying on the inside. I was like I had to go to work after doing two labs you know, all of this nonsense. And then I had to come back and be like, this school is amazing. Please come in, kids. Enjoy your stay. And it was just like, but don't talk about how in debt you're going to be because I have to advertise for the school. And it's just a, it's just another corporation to me. I didn't feel like anyone actually cared about me as a student. I couldn't find any mentors. I, loved, I liked the teachers. I liked the community. But again, it was also clicky. But it felt like high school 2.0 because it was a small school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to sl- like because I can touch on so many notes. Like I went to the four year school, and then I went to a community college after because I had to leave the school because I took out a Sally May loan. Sally May. Oh, do Don't I have a Because <laughs> I took out a a, a small loan, right? And I was actually just looking at my Sally Mae loan and I have paid as much interest as I paid into the loan. And judging from that, by the time I pay the loan off, I will have paid as much as I borrowed in interest. So I will pay double. So I, I have so many things to say. I also wanted to touch on um, the Debt Collective. If anyone's heard of it, we'll be going to DC April 4th. Uh, So if anyone's in the area, um, please come out and, Um, We're going to, you know, ask Biden to cancel student debt, which I'm not going to pray for Biden to do anything for me, but just to to build the power and say, hey, we're students, we matter Mm -hmm. and whatnot. um, I have so much to say, I can't focus?
0: No, it's okay. (laughs) Um, Someone said something in the YouTube chat. They said that they thought that those extra classes were actually good for them. And I think that's fine. You know, I think that's, that's great if it works for you, but I think that should be an option. I don't think you should have to take, like for me, I'm like, how many times do I need to read Beowulf? Like, really? Like, (laughs) like how many grades? Like, so for me, it was just like, I didn't find those classes useful, but I think if you want to do that, you should have the option to, but some of us don't want to do all that. We just want to get straight to what we need to take for our major and just do what we need to do. I mean, it's. It's just yeah. another way for the university to get money, in, in if my it was opinion. Free.
3: like, if, if we didn't have right. to spend thousands of dollars, like, just join a book club. Like, I don't, like, I'm an educator. I right. love to learn. Like, I, I walked into I graduated high school in 2015, where everyone told me, go to college. It's the best, it's the best thing you can do if you're smart. Everyone said I was smart, so I went to college. And I went to college, I, I, I'm a high achiever, so, and I'm, you know, I'm still going through life you know you know doing the best i can but i was a neuroscience major and i wanted to go to med school like that was like my big thing so i did all of these science classes i really didn't even have time to do a lot of of the extra stuff even though i did went to did go to a liberal arts school which you have to meet a certain you have to do languages and all that stuff which i love but then it does it does get to a point where it's like i just need to get what i need so, I can make money because I am poor,
4: <laughs> yes, and it's just yes. like I
3: feel like they want to pretend like that like all of these colleges that my vendetta is the colleges. I want the colleges to say something they they get to pretend that we're just everything's peachy peachy keen, and that is just a lie like they're just lying to us. they want us to pretend we're not living. In a reality. And it's like, you want us to learn from you, but you guys don't even live in reality. How is, like, where, mm-hmm. what is going on? And then I also, because when I had to drop out of school, which sucked because I lost scholarships, which I worked hard to get, that sucked. So talk about meritocracy. Why do I get to lose a scholarship? Um, I tried to join the military and because I, I had car debts and I was tired of working at restaurants and the only reason why I didn't join the army that day was because I was overweight, which was like, oh, thank God. The one time you're overweight, it saves you. But they really wanted me to, I was like five pounds overweight. It was like we tried everything because they really wanted me to join the military. But I left and I never came back. And I'm, I, I don't recommend anyone join the army, but that's a personal thing. But I get when people have to do it because you want, you want, I do want the education, but once you are in it and you just see, it's just, it's an elitism. It's a, it's a, it's just trying to get us to conform. They want us to conform, you know, like we're not, you're not going to go to college and like learn about oppression. It's it's just not going to happen. Maybe I don't even know. Like, I didn't take women's studies or anything, and I don't think there's anything. Because people, I saw a couple comments where people are like, take a, do a degree that matters. And at the end of the day, even the degrees you study don't even matter. Most people don't get jobs in their degrees. just doesn't happen. No,
0: they don't. No, they don't. And I just want to interrupt you real quick for that. Thank you so much for saying that. No, they don't. And I think that's important for people to know. Most of the people do not get jobs in the the field that they went to school for. And I, I've seen this time and time again where kids major in, I think you have a better chance when you go into more of the STEM fields. But even with those, I've seen students struggle to get like jobs. Yeah. And because they didn't pass the tech, the tech um, interview, because they have to do a technical interview and they have to do a regular interview. So I think, one of the biggest problems that we have, at least with uh millennial generation, some of us went to college and majored in fields that actually had jobs at that time. But by the time that we graduated from college, those jobs were far and few. And so that's another thing. How do you know that what you major in is even going to have, there's going to be a job market for by the time that you graduate?
3: Yeah, we're asking for so much from people like, I hate, I literally despise when people say, oh, you took out that money. I, I literally just <laughs> was 18 years old, and they brought me into the office with um, my, my I'm, I was raised by my grandparents, so I was with my grandmother. And I'm like a, a first-gen college student, so I did everything on my own, for one. And they were like, do this. This is a great idea. And the lady's just marketing to me, by the way. She's just telling me how great my life is going to be. She doesn't actually... Know my life, and I'm just like yeah, like college, of course. Like why would I not go to college? And I don't think people think about that enough. Like this is just the system where this is the machine that we're in, and it's it's a game. It's a game. Like go to college if I like because I don't even know if I'm done with college, right? Like I have an associate's because I went back to community college, which community college is great. I'd I would recommend if you're going to college, do the community college. Um yeah. I lost my train of
0: thought. No worries. Um but I, I am yeah. gonna get to go ahead and get to the next caller, but thanks so much thanks. for calling in.
3: I'm happy to talk to you. Maybe I'll call again. Some other time. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay, I'm gonna
0: bring in the next caller, Matt. Um, but really quick, I did wanna add something here because I don't like to just, you know, talk about the problems, I like to talk about possible solutions as well. And two of the things that I recommend, and I mentioned this recently on Ron Paclone's show, number one, one option is you can go to community college. There are degrees, associate degrees that you can get that actually some of those uh, fields pay more than the fields with that require a bachelor's degree. For example, I have a friend who's a dental hygienist. She went to community college, did two years. She was making more than me. And I went to school for four years and I was academic advisor. And then I went to grad school because sometimes to move up in higher ed, you have to have the master's degree. So she was making more than me and she didn't have any student loan debt. So I don't want people to definitely, please don't look down on community colleges, but then also you can go to community college for two years and then transfer to a four-year university. But when doing that, and as someone who was an administrator, I do want to forewarn you, please make sure that your credits, all of them from the community college, transfer over to the school you're trying to go to. Because sometimes those colleges will tell you, oh yeah, we transfer people over to that school all the time. But they don't tell you that some of your credits may not transfer over. So I do have to give people that tip and that tidbit. I'm uh, going to go ahead and bring in Matt. You're the next caller. Hey, Savvy, how are you guys
5: doing there?
0: Hey, how
5: are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Love you guys, the show, by the way. Um, And I'm glad that you kind of let in there with the uh, solutions more so. Um, I do believe that college isn't worth it at this time. Um, To me, I would believe that trades would kind of be the way to go at the moment. Um, Electrical, plumbing, plumbing. Mechanical, car working on cars, things of that nature, welding, heavy machinery, um, security, things of that nature. But um and I say that because I feel like that would be a proactive way to go as far as we see with the um capitalist system. One, those will be jobs. Um one, like you say, you can go to a community college two years. Um, so you're not going into debt because this kind of also touches on what um, you and Jewel were speaking about as far as um, we are customers, um, so um, these institutions are uh, pretty much, uh, you know, Walmart. They're trying to get us to purchase as much as possible. Things we—that's why they have us take classes. We don't need. So, um, knowing that, we got to make sure that our purchase is worth it um, with jobs that we could possibly use to choke the system that is choking us.
0: Right. No, that's that's definitely a good point, and. I'm glad that you mentioned like trades as well. We do need more people to go into the trades. I feel like that used to be more popular in this country. My parents told me when they were in school that they taught like woodshop, just like in high school. Like it was just a thing. And then little by little, they removed that from a lot of schools. And that's unfortunate. We don't really learn how to, how to work with our hands the way that we should.
5: exactly, exactly. And so, and to me, that was a whole nother thing of um, the federal government trying to take over uh, education, uh, taking those um, elements out, because to me, that's how the Black Panthers were able to uh, sustain their public um, or their uh, community organizations that they had. People had woodshop skills, they had mechanical skills, um, you know, same thing with uh, medical. That was another thing I noticed um, during the protest last year, um, made me want to study EMT, but we need more doctors on our side. And when I say our side, I'm just more so the working class side. Um, you know, when sometimes you have the medical services in legion with the police and they're not helping you have comrades down. So just different things were, um, and like I said, that's also another thing that the Panthers had, you know, they had their own medical centers because they had people, um, you know, studying and, um, from the backgrounds of medicine and things of that nature but things that we can use to help the community trades um we know the infrastructure is about to go down here we know that we may have to be uh communities may have to be in charge of uh making sure infrastructure is okay for them to receive food things of that nature your food shortages earlier that you were speaking about but yeah so that t- that to me is um, more so the thing and um also just to speak on what kusha was saying um I feel like liberal arts and liberal literature, um, or literature arts, um, they'll always be important. That's why the Renaissance was so important. Um, you know, we'll always have to study. We'll always have to, um, push the human mind. Um, so like those will always be important, but sadly, like also what he said with the capitalist system, um, and where we are right now, I feel like we're in a fighting position. So we got to get to the fight. Not only that, um, not feed the federal debt or the federal government anymore for, um, Jobs that's not paying, jobs that they're not giving us. So if we could get jobs that we can choke them out, you know, electrical jobs, things of that nature, then the power would go back more so to the working class.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Well said. Thank you so much for calling in, Matt. I'm going to get to the next caller.
5: All right. Have a great day.
0: You too. All right, guys, I'm gonna go ahead and take the next caller. And that is... Eric, another Eric. The Eric's are popular, you guys. All right, yes. Eric, you are on the mic.
6: Hey, so, so yeah, um, college is definitely not worth it. Um, I would say if if it, if it was the only the best scenario would be if you're in STEM, and even and even then, not all STEM is treated equally. Um. And so, so yeah, that's that has to be said too. Um, the thing, the thing about it is like, why why do we even have student loan debt in the first place? Um, if you told like, say, for instance, like the French people, they had to pay fifty thousand dollars in student loans in tuition. They'd be protesting in the, in like five minutes flat. Yep. I, I mean, this is it's it's how, it goes back to as a country, do we actually care? And the answer still continues to be no. And I have to, and I'm trying to tell my high schoolers because I because I'm te- like I said, I'm teaching math now. I'm trying to tell my high schoolers, listen. You need to start doing more reading outside of school too.
0: Yeah,
6: because this this college college shit you may you may not want to go to trade school. College is ridiculously unaffordable. You're gonna have to do something. You're gonna have to do some other reading outside of this. Because like I said K t- K twelve. What we don't teach everything, and and that's being kind.
0: Yeah. No, you're right about that. Um, I, I want to, I'm glad you brought up STEM. I want to add something to that. Um, here's the thing I've noticed too when it comes to STEM education, and I can, I'm only speaking for the Boston area in particular. I have been like on the admission side. One of the things that used to bother me is that they did not seem to want to admit. Many domestic students into these competitive STEM programs in the United States. They wanted to admit international students. And the reason being is because they're looking solely at two things, right? They're looking at those GRE scores, those GMAT scores, and they're looking at their GPA. And if they don't make it past those two, they don't even make it to the rest of the application. And that was one thing that used to drive me crazy, where You may have a student that went to University of Florida. They may have a 3.7 GPA. Their 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 GRE score, their GMAT score may not have been too high. But if you actually look at the rest of their application, then you would see that they also had a part-time job while they were in undergrad. They also had extracurricular activities. But for some of them, they don't even make it to that part because they're focused solely on the test scores. And so what happens is a lot of the domestic students in the United States do not get into those competitive STEM programs. So in the Boston area in particular, most of those STEM jobs are going to internationals and no shame on that or whatever. But what that does say to me, it says something to me about the math and science programs that we have in K through 12 in this country that are not preparing American students to get into those competitive STEM programs. So it's it's a big problem. And I think that these coding boot camps that are coming up, I think that is another alternative way that people can go. And instead of having to spend the money for a four-year university, I think that's another avenue. But even with those programs, if you don't have the quantitative skills that are necessary to succeed in those programs, you still will struggle And if you struggle in the STEM courses, you will struggle with the technical interview and you will not get the job. So, again, this goes all the way back to the K through 12 public education system that we have in this country. Why aren't we teaching American kids these uh, competitive math courses, the same ones that the kids are learning in South Korea, that they're learning in China, which is where we recruit a lot of our students from here in Boston, Why don't we have those competitive, those competitive courses? Why aren't we teaching them the same level of chemistry and engineering courses that the kids in Germany are being taught, which by the way, they can go to college in Germany for free. So that says something to me about the public education system. Again, it just all goes back to that for me. I feel like we're not setting these kids up to succeed in this country. And my advice to High school juniors and seniors who still want to go to a four year traditional college, but they can't do so without taking out a lot of student loans. My advice to you is to go to school abroad in a country like Germany, where you can go to school for free.
6: Perfectly said. And and at, at the end of the day, it's just like, well, apparently we don't consider it profitable enough to educate our own kids. Um. Why is that even a conversation where we make this profit based? what we should be doing it just because there are kids? That should be the end of that like it it just it, it's it's like this thing, this stuff, and i know it's I know it's not the same, but like it's the principle of the whole c r t stuff. You can't talk about everything. You, it, it's it's just like why why are you I get I get, the example I gave, um, for my students was basically all of us as teachers are effectively handcuffed, and like you have higher ups. No, you can't do that. You can't go here. Yeah, it's like what what yeah. the what what the hell? We have all we have all this to give. It's free essentially. It's a public good. I, I don't know. Our, our country's pathologically insane.
0: No, I hear you. Um, but thank you so much for calling in, Eric. I'm gonna get to the next caller, but well said.
6: Appreciate it.
0: All right. Going to the next caller and this is Steve. What's going on, Steve?
7: Hello, Sabrina. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Fine. Thanks. Um, I like that you're talking about this, but I guess I have a question like, is it worth it? Well, it depends on what you want to get out of it, right? So it sounds like most of the conversation has been oriented around uh, in income generation. Is that correct?
0: Well, I guess so. It's more so in 2022, is college still worth it today?
7: Huh. So. I think a lot of the other callers had mentioned, like, go into STEM or go into coding and all these things. And I have a humanities degree. Now, I'm fortunate or unfortunate, depending on your perspective, was able to graduate college without debt with my undergraduate degree. I graduated um, with a history degree in 2007, to your point. Um, The financial crisis basically erased any prospects, especially for those of us with humanities degrees. Um, I wound up joining the military, uh, like another one of your callers mentioned. Um, I went into the Air Force, and while I was there, I utilized a tuition assistance program and was able to get a master's degree in international relations. Um, I worked in air traffic for 12 years, which was my trained career field in the military. And then I decided it was not the best thing for me emotionally, uh, mentally, physically, etc. And so I'm actually back in school on my GI Bill going to a community college where there are a lot of trades programs. Um, and many of the programs at that junior college uh, are getting people into careers like within two years. Um and a lot of that's in forestry, in agriculture, in heavy equipment, in construction skills. Um, and so I've seen a lot, a mix of various ways to educate yourself and put yourself in a better uh, financial position. And I don't regret at all having two degrees, incl- you know, including a master's degree, that I never use um, for, to generate income for myself. Um, However, the point I wanted to make is that studying in those disciplines has given me a ton of perspective, and it has allowed me to make decisions in my life outside of career, outside of um, the hustle to be emotionally equipped to deal with the things we're seeing today. The food price spike you were talking about earlier, I anticipated that knowing the process of our society um, coming to be and recognizing that that was a short term thing and would not persist indefinitely. It was not sustainable. And so I have secured myself a small postage stamp um, and. I have garden. I have chickens. I've grown pigs on my land, uh, broiler chickens, so meat chickens. A um, bunch of different fruit trees, vegetables, and we're trying to do some value-added, like food production stuff to produce an income for ourselves. But I would have never made these decisions and been in a spot where like people are freaking out about COVID. And early on. Right. And then people are freaking out about food prices and conflict in Europe, et cetera, so forth. And like all of this is like just happening almost exactly the way that I anticipated and being prepared for that by having a secure place of food, by having uh, some solar panels and a fixed rate mortgage and all that. I realize not everybody is going to get to that place or can get to that place. But like. My education, although it did not directly generate income for me, has prepared me in other ways. That was.
0: That's a good point as well. I have a quick question for you. Um, Go ahead. You did. If you did have student loan debt. Would you would you feel differently about the degrees that you got if you did. If you did end up with student loan debt.
7: Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If they weren't generating income, like it, it's not doesn't make a ton of economic sense to take out debt for something that doesn't produce an income. And I guess my point is, is that like, you know, you you know what you need. Um, so make decisions based on that. But I mean, you have to make a financial decision. So like anybody that got stuck um, with debt and then in it, like. 2008 and we're like shit there's no jobs like yeah you that's know? a rough that's a rough bind but I have a lot of uh, you know all of my classmates um were able to eventually secure gainful employment especially those in STEM uh, my engineering friends never had a problem getting a job but even my friends in communication with English degrees business degrees other ones with history degrees they all have uh gainful employment at this point Um so in that sense I guess it does set you up in some ways but um, yeah. Did that answer your question? I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. And and I noticed also you see, this is another thing I'm saying about the military industrial complex. When you graduated during that time, the 08 housing crisis, I remember all that. It was crazy. Um, yeah. but you had an option. You said, you know what? I can join the military and that's, that's income, right? Like that's, that's reliable income. But this goes back to what I was saying before, about the military-industrial complex, I believe is the reason why they won't give us free public college in this country because that's one of the effective recruiting tools that they use, especially when they go into the low-income communities. That's one of the tools that they use to recruit people.
7: Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And actually, I'm involved in a with a group called Gamers for Peace. Um, if you'd be interested I could send you information but they uh it's a bunch of us vets in veterans for peace and gamers for peace is like a working group within veterans for peace and they're doing counter recruitment on Twitch and stuff like that because like the military is hard recruiting uh folks in gaming spaces and you're absolutely correct I consider myself a poverty draft right like um I couldn't have employment and my partner at the time needed like a surgery and so it was both for lack of a job, but also for health care. So, yeah, the reason we don't have public education and public health care is because it would affect recruiting. numbers. It's the same reason Kamala Harris wouldn't release prisoners from California state prisons, uh, which is the state I live in, because, like, oh, the state needs that workforce. Um, and, you know, I don't need to tell you I'm preaching to the choir, but, like, you know, that's that's what the prison system is for, like, is for creating free labor with slave labor. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm a permaculture designer too. And I help teach through earth activist training and because of lack of access for, especially like people of color, like we have, um, um, full scholarship to our programs. Anybody could just Google earth activist training and look it up. Um, especially if you're a person of color and interested in food production, absolutely check that out. Cause we have a scholarship for a program. I think I paid Eighteen hundred dollars to get my permaculture design certificate, and we offer the classes for free uh, to certain underserved groups. So check that out, and thank you for taking my call.
0: All right, thanks so much for calling in, Steve. Bye now. All right, I'm going to bring in Colin, who is the next caller. Colin, you're on Colin, You're on the mic. Oh, I think you're muted. You have to unmute. If you have in uh, headphones,
8: that'll affect yeah. it, too. Yeah, I got it. How are you doing? Hey, Colin. Um, thanks for having me on again. Um, so, as a teacher, I think about this a lot. Um, you know, just thinking in terms of, is college worth it? And honestly, right now, if this were maybe a decade or so ago when... I wasn't as involved in politics. I was that person, you know, who would say, yes, you have to go to college. You need it, you know, whatever. And I encourage, you know, young people to go to college. Now, I'm kind of mixed on it, but for different reasons. Um, I think every, a lot of people are talking about STEM, uh, which is fair. But I think the reality is, given the system that we're in, um, if your job requires you to have a license in order to do that job, such as law, medicine, education as a teacher, you have to have a college degree. And mm-hmm. and I remember, I think it was beyond Joy Grant, her por- podcast not too long ago made this I, made this point. It's you know you're encouraging the working class to get a trade if they cannot afford college and who would have access to these, you know, um, to these fields that I mentioned, it would be the elites. So, and not more often than not, they're usually white. So you're going to have the working class, which usually would make often consists of people of color in like the trades. And then you're going to have the elites who are going to be in these other fields like law, medicine, education. And as an educator, you know, like, especially in the teaching force, the majority of people who are in the field are white. Whereas, you know, the majority of students uh, that are currently in schools right now are often of color. So it will create a two-tier system as far as, you know, only if you're working class, you have accessible, you have access to these fields. And then if you have the money, then you have access to these fields, which I don't think is necessarily right. However, mm-hmm. I would say this, you know, and I tell students now, I think it depends, like is college worth it? I think like, especially if you want to get into these fields that i mentioned, you have to do your research and really weigh the cost if, if it's worth it for you to go into debt. Um, like for me as a teacher, you know, I went into early childhood, which typically gets, it's typically low paying. Um, yeah. However, I went into that field in part because I remember telling my dad many years ago, if I was like, let's say, an elementary school teacher or even high school, I would have, I would be guaranteed maybe an interview because I'm a male and person of color, but I may not be guaranteed a job. Whereas in early childhood, I'm more or less, I'm more likely to be guaranteed a job because I'm desired in the field. But the catch yeah. is, I won't get paid that well, relatively. So, and I wish I kind of thought about it when I was younger that to kind of weigh that cost, uh, risk-cost um, scenario. Um, I think for me, as far as being in the field, I think in certain ways it was worth it. Um, but, you know, the downside is I'm still, you know, in debt. Uh, that I'm still paying off. So I think it really just depends um, as far as your field. But as I said, you... You know, if you want to go into these fields, which requires you to have a license, they're tied to college education. And so if you're not, if you don't have the means, that would exclude many people in the working class to be able to go into those fields. And I think that in and of itself is a problem.
0: I, I totally hear you. And another thing I want to add, to about the teaching license in Massachusetts, I don't know how it is for the state that you're in, Colin, but in Massachusetts, they're sending teachers back to go get new licenses like every yeah. other year that they have to pay for. Yeah, It's like $500 like for a license. Yeah. And I'm like, they have to pay for it with their own money.
8: Right. I, I mean, I think you know this, but I used to live in Massachusetts. So my first teaching credentials were in Massachusetts. And yeah, like you go to college. You know, you have to pay for that. And then, in order for you to get the license, you have to pay for that too. And, you know, and if you fail the exam, you have to take it over again, which is more money. And often than not, that teachers of color often and not had to take uh, these exams more than once um, yeah. because they're not necessarily prepared or, you know, their college work may not necessarily prepare them well to be able to uh, pass the the teaching exams the first time. So I was very fortunate, like for many of my licenses, because I got a few, um, for the most part, I was able to pass them, you know, the first time. But, um, But for many people, that's not necessarily the case. And often I found, as I said, there are people of color who had to take them more than once And these are the people who typically who are not making the kind of income to be able to take it, you know, multiple times. So, yeah, you're right. That's but I think that's that way across the board. It's not just in Massachusetts. It's the same thing in D.C. Um, Mm. But, you know, so there's a lot of gatekeeping, you know, that. I think especially in these fields, you kind of alluded to this earlier that we often don't talk about, especially in these fields that require you to have a license. Like if you think of law and like, if you have to take the bar, you know, like you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars for that, you know, um, and if you don't pass that, you don't get a job and it takes a long time to study and you can't necessarily work or you have to work part time in order to um, study for like the bar in order for you to pass it. So so, I think it's it just a lot more nuanced conversation versus saying, you know, um, like it's not worth it. I think, depending on the circumstances, I think, unfortunately, we have to take that loss risk scenario as far as do you want to go into debt possibly in these fields? Um, but I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the overarching situation as far as it. it It doesn't allow the working class to enter these fields, which more often than not will be often dominated by the elites, uh, which in itself is a problem.
0: Good points, Colin. Uh, Thanks so much for calling in. I want to go ahead and take the next caller.
8: Thank you. Have a good night. You too.
0: All right, I'm going to bring in the next caller, and this is B.C., BC, you are on the mic. What's going on?
7: I think you just have to unmute. You hear me? I can hear you. Hello?
2: Okay, fantastic.
9: Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot here. And... Um, I've heard I've heard different things from a few people and they've covered some of the points, but um in terms of is college worth it, um my answer is no. Um is education worth it? Yes. So the way education is in this country, it goes back for over a hundred years. You are you go to elementary school and the following schools, junior high and high school, to learn how to go to college, right? And it's just paying into that system. It, and it's not like college doesn't teach you anything. I, I think the person, Eric or Steve or whoever said, they learned a lot, their degree took them here. And and I'm sure that's true for a lot of people, but this is the new era. What was true then will not work for the generation going forward necessarily. We need to flip how we look at education. You You can't just say... Let's let's go from here, go to college, and it's okay to keep cycling 45,000 a semester and so forth. Me, I have an IT background. I learned more from my online class that was free at the time than I did from the professor in class. You have these tools now. When I was going in, I had to read and have issues. I had to reach out to someone and a mentor. Now we have YouTube. And it's insane how much education is up there. You have YouTube, Udemy, LinkedIn Learning, Khan Academy. So if you want to pay, you can. But people are giving this up for free. So we need to, so let me, let me just say this. Prior to online degrees now, which are all the rave, back in the day, that you, it was called correspondence degree. And those were a joke, a punchline, Saturday Night Live, and so forth. People barely wanted. To, oh, you have a correspondence degree, <laughs> you know. It was that type of thing. But now we have, like, look at our conversation now, right? I am watching you on YouTube on an app, and we are—you're able to transmit your points to me, and we're interactive. This can work. The only thing schools need to do, as far as colleges. We, we can use that wasted time for the high schools at night where you can use that as a proctor to take the test because that's all you need. We can take certified courses and get straight to the point. No need to. I had to go back over English and this and that to take, you know, I had to retake classes in college, all just taking the money that I was putting in. But if you did something like this and this can all be on blockchain, too. Right. You can you can put you can use the IT infrastructure to do all of this now. Our classes could be online. We can learn and we just need to go to a high school at night like you do when you vote to proctor our tests. There is no. There's not a job I can think of where you need to go into that building other than the medical field or unless you want to fly planes for the military. I can't say the name of the company, but I've worked out of, um, what do you call those, uh, a government contractor, military, what have you. They have helmets now where you can put the helmet on and you can, f- it make, you can see the military vehicle. You're touching it with the glove. You're taking off the part. So this will work for auto mechanics. This will work for anything. And now we have the, um, the people use them to play video games now. So you can, put on, you can use VR to go forward with um, things as it relates to HVAC and anything you need to repair. And then you can go on campus and take a practical. This whole thing is just sucking money out from the 99% into the 1%. And then what do they do with all these endowments and so forth? I, I used to think when I was younger that they helped send people to school with that money. Jokes on me. They build a new building. They they don't pass this on to the students. Um so like Google, for instance, they have a professional certification course. AWS has one, and Azure has one. And I took some of those online. Where I work offered a university, right? So a lot of jobs are making their own universities using those teaching you, and you can go forward with that, whether you leave the job or not. This is all a con. Education is key. College is not. And we're set up to just keep transmitting our money. And this is an issue that should be on the table because we didn't have this virtualization in the past. You always hear people say, oh, well, you need that interactivity. Oh, but how about the the memories, the drinking, and this and that—you can, you can, you can do all that on the side. And if you want to travel to a new state, then the money you save not going to college—do that with it. The only thing you should need to pay for when you go to um, college—it it shouldn't cost twenty, eighteen, or even ten a semester. All you need is a computer, a couple of monitors, and the camera. And let's go. And that's it. Because a lot of jobs now are also accepting those Google, at least for now, those Google um, IT professional supports. And in my field, it doesn't matter the education. Like, so in IT, the team I was a part of is a global team. So everyone, they all have a better education than me because theirs was free. So if we Mm -hmm. really cared about moving America forward as a collective, as far as educating our students and so forth, we would do the same thing. But like everything else, we like to kid around, give talking points, and and put people in office who shouldn't be. Like you talked about Joe Biden earlier, and and all I could think of is he's not the president that we we want, but he's the president that we deserve. And I know you know where that line came from. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm.
5: start
9: night (laughs) that's all i have to say thank you for listening
0: thanks so much for calling in bc uh good points there um i'm gonna go ahead and bring in the next caller which is mitchell and uh greg will be my last uh caller that i take because i realized that um again i'm running short on storage i gotta fix that uh so mitchell you are the next caller you're on the mic just got to unmute. Mitchell's on the mic. Just got to unmute. Is that Mitchell.
10: working? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I am a teacher and uh, it, it really depends. And uh, a facet that I don't think I've heard mentioned is the difference. Because I graduated from school in the eighties. And uh, one thing that happened if, Uh, in the 80s that isn't being discounted for what's happening with the kids that are leaving school today. Jobs were plentiful because we made things in the United States. And a majority of the things that were sold back in the 80s were sold to other companies to make things. So, one company that would, um, let's say, make, make a steering wheel. They bought forms to be used on the floor. There might be a thousand different pieces of paper that fluttered about the floor as they went. That, that a lot of that's digital now, so those jobs are gone. But even before that, a lot of those jobs went away and are still done in China because that is where the stuff is done. So they buy locally. There used to be a town in Illinois called Elk Grove Village where it supplied all of the factories in the Chicagoland area and a lot of other towns supplied things too. But you could you could start with anything technical, go to Elk Grove Village and actually go right to the factory and say, I need to get this done, something, I need a mold made, whatever. You could get it done there. And all of these jobs, that I mean, that all of the factories just died there. Just all of a sudden there wasn't any need because they weren't uh, factories that sold to people. They were factories that sold to other factories. Rockford, Illinois, used to be like where all the screws and bolts and nuts came from. Uh, go out into and, into Erie, Air, Pennsylvania, and whatever. So, well, what would happen was that a lot of the liberal arts or or the uh, business administration mm-hmm. jobs or degree people they would get jobs in those companies and the degree was pretty much hey i understand business if i got a you know business administration degree I understand business these these would become the people that would be the jobbers the purchasers and all of these people that did jobs for what happens in in the factories that supplied other factories that supplied other factories and so much work was wound up in the energy to to, to make things when Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton decided that the best thing for the United States was to get all the jobs offshore and to collect money from the other companies into their foundations, that they killed all these jobs. So that the everybody, the, like Andrew Yang, I, I talked to Yang, I like Yang, but never could get it out of his head. He kept saying automation killed everything, automation killed everything, automation. No, offshoring killed it. The Chinese didn't take our jobs. We destroyed the jobs because they weren't necessary here, because the jobs that we really needed in the United States were the jobs that supplied the factories that supplied other factories. And majority of that could still come back. Of course, you know, the paperwork's going to be easier now that computers handle all that stuff. Um, and the robots don't take jobs. Usually when a robot comes into a factory, the amount of output increases so much that you have to hire lots of extra people to handle it. And of course, some of those jobs get automated and that comes up to the next point. There's this lag of thought. So it takes a while for us to incorporate into a degree what people are going to do, but the changes are happening so fast that uh, we have t- we don't have time to get it incorporated into school. We have uh, meetings uh, tw- uh, twice a semester where we meet with area businesses and say, what skills do your people need? What can't your people do? What do we need to be adding to our classes? And we have a limited amount of time that we're going to have these students. We have one of our STEM, STEM groups or techs Um, we have them going five semesters instead of four because there was just too much important stuff to get out of the way and get going. We have more stuff we want to add, but we would have to have them go for a four-year degree. So we need more people going to the the four-year degree to get out into supplying them. And we need to have a system that is more coordinated not just with the few universities that we have deals with, but a standard pathway for everyone. And the second thing that really, really kills all of it is not everybody makes it through on an engineering degree. About uh, one-third of the students that start actually finish. We have no means at all in our university system for those students that don't make it to have an alternative path. Once, once they have a problem, they're on their own, and that has to change. We need a secondary system where we help them get back on another path. Say, okay, what, what blocked you in this field? Is there a way that whatever was the disadvantage in that field, could that be an advantage in another? And how can we get that student back on? And we need to fund that. That process right now is totally, totally thrown on the students. It doesn't come out in the in the tuition because once the students having problems they're, they're not able to actually pay. So we need a system where where we have people we have people that have that need jobs, and that brings up another thing: uh, a complaint about paying people welfare or paying people other money. We currently do that. We currently have selective enhanced income. We provide income, great income, to people that tend to make a lot of donations through jobs like insurance agents. Well, that's not welfare, is it? Yes, it is. What service, what extra value do they really add to your life? Do they help you get the care? No. They actually will fight you on on the payment and 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 everything, and if we were to streamline it and one thing in a factory is we don't move something unless we need to move it well, and we don't do extra operations that don't add add value, so if we take a look at someone in a factory, let's say a um the child of the of the of the uh of the c e o that's given a job just to give them income. It's far better in a factory for that CEO just to give the child the the, the money and not have them come in and mess up the factory. Mm. <laughs> and this this is how I view insurance agents. We're giving them money so that they can have jobs uh and we're saying look at all the jobs we've created no we should not be creating jobs to create jobs to give people money if we're creating jobs to give people money we should just give them the money it's 100 more efficient, more efficient we'll pay three times as much if we create a job to make them to get the money instead we need to start thinking that hey what jobs do we need to do and uh there were some some an- an- inaccuracies i need to clear from earlier in Europe, you do not go to school for free. Of course, it's in your income. No. Many of the European countries pay the students to go. So if you're in Scandinavia or Germany, you get money for going to school as long as you're, you're making uh, good grades, and that's a great incentive to go. Also, for Denmark, for instance, at 10th grade, you decide whether you're going into tech or you decide whether you're going into university. And at that, you get on two different paths, and at that point those students that want to be tech, they get a wonderful school. When I'd go into a European factory and and work with it, there wasn't a single person that wasn't incredibly knowledgeable about the operation of their machine. Uh and I found this all over that they just uh this this idea, Finland, it is illegal to charge tuition. All of the That's schools true. are funded the same and they feel that if a teacher Uh, If if someone pays tuition, that one student is going to be treated better than the others. So in order to make sure that all of the students get an equal chance, you have to fund all of the schools. And right now at the schools, we as as teachers, we are overwhelmed. All the funding is at the bare minimum. So uh, I don't do research. I get to school. I do my work. Uh, I'm teaching class from eight o'clock to uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. i got a 20 minute lunch and uh, uh, the there's no time allocated for any kind of paperwork. You're expected to do the paperwork for the class on your time. That is slavery. No other yep. job are you required to work all day, then go home and do your paperwork. Yep. And realistically we need to say hey kinder uh, let's go back to finland finland has fantastic schools how many teachers are in each classroom of 20 students three (laughs) you have the main two main teacher the one that's going you have one that's handling discipline or helping students and a second one that's helping students. All the time, they're currently wandering around the students and one t- one student, one teacher gets tired, next one pops in. So teacher can go out anytime, go off, go to the restroom, go off, get a coffee, whatever. Next teacher can jump in and they can be prepared. So one thing is when you're not in front of the class all the time, you can be much more prepared for when you're on deck, when you're when you're going and we need more of that time uh when a when a teacher takes over their first 3 years in the United States they're just absolutely trash and we need to stop that and uh you know it's just so overwhelming and as far as you can get the education on YouTube no you can't you can feel like you're getting the education on YouTube one of the problems with YouTube that you don't have well you actually the, that's another issue is that is so much misinformation that sometimes things that seem like they are is how people report it for instance uh orbital mechanics if you point a spacecraft straight down and you fire your engines you are not going to go down you're going to temporarily go down but because you increase your orbit you go up and you might hit something you're trying to avoid the same thing is true in many other fields there's other factors that need to be involved most of the time, whenever we say easy fix, let's use blockchain. We're not thinking about all the ramifications. Just like I said, providing jobs by making insurance agents have jobs—that's selective enhanced income. <laughs> you know, basically welfare for the rich. We're not thinking about how we're giving the money. You know, if we want to, if we want to give all of these wealthy people that donate to the Democratic Party and Republican Party extra money, give them the money. And we would still make up much better off getting our getting our health care uh, uh, paid for and be out of our own taxes and our own our own proper uh, maintenance. The first thing we have to do, I'm not saying being economic isolationists, but the first thing we have to do is reciprocal trade. Wipe out all the trade deals and say, with every country, we will trade fairly with you as you trade with us. because uh, since the eighties the Every trade deal has benefited a politician has not benefited the person, the people uh, and a lot of well a lot of oh sorry I'd probably take too long
0: <laughs> uh, no, no, um i I have a hard stop at eleven because of the storage reasons um but i I was going to say well said, but I, I just want to make sure I get to the other callers
11: yeah thanks bye
0: thanks Mitchell. All right, TJ, you are up next on the mic. You'll just need to
7: unmute.
4: Oh, hello. Hey, am I coming in okay, Savvy?
0: Yep, I can hear you.
4: Okay, great. Uh, Yeah, um, so I was just going to point out, like, uh, everybody's uh, personal situation is different. Um, I mean, I can, you know, everybody, uh, I can, uh, I'll touch on mine in just this, in this a second. I'm not trying to take up too much time. Uh, my wife has an associate's degree and, uh, uh, she went to a school for psychology. She has an associate's degree in that. And, uh, you know, she's still working at the same place. I know a guy that, uh, has a degree in the computer, computer science. He, it was a six year course and he's a manager at, uh, he was a manager at Best Buy. He actually worked with me. He was my manager, my supervisor. Uh, my mom went to college. She has a degree in data coding and, uh, medical entry. She, uh, she actually did work in daycare. Now, my father's situation is, uh, he went to school for a, uh, I think for EMT and, uh, he became a truck driver. And, I'm going to kind of follow his timeline for a little bit because it affects my situation now. Uh, my father um, he uh, he, while he was driving 18 wheelers. he had an accident. he had a head injury, fell out of a truck and he uh he lost his memory he couldn't you know he, uh, because uh, diesel fumes was leaking into the cab of the truck and uh, we had a lawsuit against Freightliner and uh, they didn't fix the truck properly. And, uh, my dad had a million dollar lawsuit out, out against him. But now he was making really good money when he was driving 18 wheelers. Uh, and he lost over a million dollars in lost wages. Uh, he was driving for Busky at the time, Busky trucking. It was either Busky or USA trucking. I'm not really sure which, uh, which one he was driving for, but, uh, he had to learn how to read and write all over again. He had to, uh, he didn't know what hot and cold was. He lost, uh, you know, uh, I think some of his long uh, short-term memory and uh he's uh he he was been having seizures ever since and uh like i said the we had a lawsuit against them. uh freightliner you know they they were owned by mercedes-benz they filed they filed for bankruptcy and my dad only ended up getting i think like he did get some back but he, he he didn't make up for all the you know lost wages he had so he ended, ended up getting uh two jobs um uh, 'Cause well, after that he got enough money to get, you know, put a down payment on some land and a and a mobile home. And that's what they got. And uh um, you know, he was uh he was driving and he was having seizures. And I was I was helping him. I was in uh I was sixteen. Uh my my dad was gone you know a lot of time in my life and uh he got back into my life and uh like I said, he was driving and, and uh he was having seizures and he was driving and, uh, he would have like a seizure and he'd pull over to the side of a road and then he'd start driving again. So, I mean, I'm not trying to make too much about him, my situation, but you know, that affected me from going to school. Uh, so, and you know, it, it you know, now he has Parkinson's and he has dementia with Louis bodies and, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't go to school. I mean, I had to help, you know, if I, if I would have went to school, they, would have probably lost the house because I had two jobs. My mom was working. My dad was working. Uh, he was working the uh, two jobs. He was falling off ladders. He would uh, get up and bust his head open on the side of a door. And you know, uh, like I said, it, it all depends on somebody's personal experience, man. And uh, you know, I, I can probably do online classes now if I wanted to. Um, but right now, you know, I'm I'm actually taking care of him. I'm taking care of my daughter. Uh, I'm trying to save on daycare. Uh, she actually starts kindergarten uh, in August, so that's a good thing. Um, but right now, it's just like, you know, man, it's just I, I've, I've been, you know, I've been trying to help him out all my life, and my, my mom and him, and you know, it just, you know, I, I, I was working at one point in time. I was paying two bills at two, uh, two bills at two households, and uh, I was working 110 hours a week. For six months, I was sleeping in my car. I was falling asleep behind the wheel. And, uh, I, I had to, uh, I had to, uh, you know, I couldn't do it anymore. I just had to quit. I had to quit a job and now I take care of him full time. So, um, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's, uh, it's like I say, I know everybody's got it. it there's people out there that situation, you know, it's, it's a lot harder than mine, but you know, I, I, I sacrificed, uh, I sacrificed, you know, my education for my family and i and i do it again and my wife also she also tried to go to culinary school a while back well she has gastroparesis and that's uh uh she has a helicobacter bacteria in her intestines which means she got sick from drinking uh, contaminated water here locally you know here and uh she went to school and uh she she wanted to be in the culinary arts and she uh her teacher said, well, you keep throwing up. So there's really no sense. It's, it's just unhygienic for you to be in this field. So, uh, they told my wife, you know, say, Hey, you you can't do this anymore. And, uh, she, she had the, she had a, she's actually still working at the same place. I mean, she's, she still makes about $18 an hour. I mean, which is good pay, you know, and she works in a call center. But, uh, like I said, man, you just, um, you, you, you at some point in time, man, if it's, is school good? Yeah, if you can get it, you know, if you can get like your either employer to pay for it or if you can get like if you can find some online classes that are like one guy said he took free online classes. I'm like, that's even better. But mm-hmm. um, it's all about, you know, you just really can't put yourself into a situation. But like I said, also, too, you know, it you can't really, you know, put your family into a bind either, you know. It's like, this can be related with healthcare. Like, I don't have health insurance. I'm not going to put, I'm not going to put my family in debt if something happens to me. If if I can't afford to go to the hospital, I can't afford a hospital bill. I can't afford for my wife to pay my college debt if something happened to me, you know, even just health wise. So, I mean, and, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to let you uh, you take the other callers and uh, thanks for taking my call, Sabby. I appreciate it.
0: Anytime. Thanks so much for calling in TJ. All right. I'm going to go to the next callers. Cool blue. Um, I just want to reiterate this again. Uh, the last caller is going to have to be Greg. Cause I do have a hard stop at 11 o'clock just simply because I'm going to run out of storage space. Uh, cool blue. You are next up on the mic. So Vivian and no war. I'm going to have to, um, remove you from the,
12: the queue. Hello, Sabrina. How are Hello, you? Hello, Cool Blue. Hi. Um, One of your callers, Matt, this is about 9.50 p.m. Eastern Time. We're both on Eastern Time. I'm in Detroit, Michigan area. He touched on a number of things I wanted to mention, which included trades. But I also wanted to insert in this whole discussion about college. I'll let you know I was born in 1971 and turned 50 last year. I don't mind mentioning it because when I was getting close to graduating from high school, A lot of teachers, a lot of the parents of students, they figured it was incomprehensible to be able to survive as an adult if you did not go to college and graduate from college. So that was the attitude back then. And 30 years later, it has changed. But back then, that was their attitude. And mainly what they were thinking about was, their children's ability as adults to be able to generate income, to be able to build a life. And Mm. here we are 30 plus years later, and I think one of the things we might not be really strongly asserting is that we have income problem for people here in the United States. I remember uh, coming across that approximately 50% of people who are employed Their income is $35,000 or less per year, and that's before taxes. You're in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm in Detroit, Michigan. That can go better in Detroit, Michigan, but not so much in Boston, Massachusetts. Most expensive state in which to live is Hawaii, from what I remember, and the second is California. So that really doesn't fly. Also, I want to mention about college. There are some people who don't have the aptitude to go to college. And that's something that's also not being thought about by enough people. I mean, they'll act like college is just for anybody. It's not. It's different from when you were going to regular school as, as you were a minor. So these were just a couple things I wanted to touch on. And the call is really brief. But a lot of other people already mentioned some other things that were on my mind anyway. So this is pretty good. It's a pleasure to call in.
0: Thanks so much. Great to hear from you, Cool Blue. All right, guys, I'm going to take our last caller, which is Greg Bruce. Guys, go ahead and give me a thumbs up on call in. If you haven't had a chance to do so and hit that like button on YouTube. All right, Greg Bruce, you are on the mic. Got to unmute. Have to unmute yourself. I'll give it a
11: second. You hear me now? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it was for some reason the unmute button was not responding at first. Um so yeah, a lot a lot of good points um I've heard I and I have only got on since uh ten, so I missed part of it. Um First I, I uh, particularly uh, what Mitchell was saying, it's um it was refreshing to hear another person talk about manufacturing. No one um uh, uh in left spaces it's it's not talked about as much as it should, um, for uh, for a few different reasons. Um but at the same time I, I will say I I do have I've i I've worked as a manufacturing engineer for um how many years has it been? Um fifteen years. Um been that long um my degree was in mechanical engineering but I've worked in the manufacturing uh, side for about fifteen years um, as a manufacturing engineer and um, as far as um, robots and other forms of um, technology improvements that can uh, improve uh, production yeah in some cases uh, plants might see more output and um, hire more jobs um, but the the thing is that's only going to um, output's only going to spike uh, for so long eventually it's going to if not level off uh start to climb more slowly so at that point, if you're continuing to increase your efficiency at the same rate, eventually you're gonna say okay how instead of how do we get more uh, production out, out out it's how do we continue to meet demand? As we continue to improve our profits, what do you do then? You you reduce the cost. Um, companies do automation for a reason, and I've you know I've been present for these conversations. I've been involved with some of these projects. It's all right. How fast is this going to pay off? Are you going to you're going to give me this investment? And you know you spread you know when is the ROI going to pay off? Is it? And then some companies are very aggressive about it. Some say two year payoff. Some say like three year payoff but it's, they do it because it it helps their bottom line. And, and you do get to a point where you are doing um, your output per person is increasing. Yes. You might add um, a technician, you might add a manufacturing engineer or a a robot programmer, but the ratio is going to be like, you know, you add one of them, you you lay off um, five machinists um, and you can actually see it in trends with the United States. And I do agree that um, outsourcing or uh, offshoring manufacturing is why it went away, but automation is um, the reason why it's not really going to come back. If you look at the trends of manufacturing jobs um, since the 2000s, it has been steadily plummeting, sometimes plummeting, not as fast as other times, but still going down. and Manufacturing, however, manufacturing output um, plummeted in 2008, but has continuously grown since then, um, and so has the jobs, but at a much uh, slower rate. And so the the jobs are nowhere near where they were in 2000. So what does that tell you? Man- manufacturing is coming back, but with using less people to do it. So um, that's my, that was my point. That, yeah, okay. Uh, um, automation didn't get rid of manufacturing, but it, it's the reason why. I hate to say it, but Obama was right when he said those jobs are not coming back. And sometimes, you know, everyone has their one or two things they agree with, uh, you know, um, Obama on, and their one or two things they agree with, like say Trump on. You know, if they're being honest, and some, but some people say like Trump brought back manufacturing. I'm like, not really. It's just the same, The trend was the same exact trend, the rate of growth was just continued. That's all that happened. Um, So that's my just ramble about manufacturing. But anyway, um, I'll I'll do the rest quick. I know you want to get off, Um, but is college still worth it? Um, Yeah, it's an interesting question. You can look at it from a lot of different facets and they're all kind of interesting to, to explore. So, you know, start off, is it worth it purely economically? So when you take, um, Let's just say, it. you know, your jobs um, in a a world where you're automatically going to make a higher income, but you're also going to incur a lot of debt. And what is the overall net result? I mean, that probably depends on um, what professions you're going into. I mean, I I guess I'm kind of agnostic on where that's at right now. I think that if there is still, if it is still generally fa- financially advantageous to go to college, it's the advantage is shrinking. Um, so um, th- that's something I kind of want to look into to more, but I mean, it, it, it depends on a lot of factors. And the other thing is like, um, if you're comparing, um, let's just say, for example, it is uh, financially advantageous and you're just comparing two options. You say, I could be a electrician for this um, salary or, or I can be a teacher for this salary and it's just financially better for, um, uh, t- you know, t- to be an electrician. Let's just say that that is the case, but you want to teach, you know, I mean, I-, I know it's, it's kind of cliche and I'm, you know, I might be echoing a lot of things that have said, but like, um, you are, although it's not as measurable in dollars, there is, um, the other value and, um, to, and yeah, I'll say, okay, so there's, the alternate forms of education. Now it's at the point where it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, so at what point is it college? So if we're comparing um, a higher ed uh, university to a traditional university to um, just the online free stuff, um, I'm sure there's, there's um, uh, pros and cons. And I think that like the perfect um, education system might involve uh, some elements of both. Like as much as I think that there's a ton of issues with higher ed today, um, the um, the just the elements of the you know the concept of it, like go um, being in a, com- a community. Like uh, you know, I, I went to a, a smaller school, like twenty eight hundred, so I'm not sure if it, this experience is the same at bigger schools. But um, I think there is something it, uh, special about being in a community, and um, I do think that like. Um, could it be structured differently? I would like to see more like, you know, school work, school works so that you're applying as you learn. Um, but some sort of concept in which you do live in a community like that, in which you all have generally that same mission, uh, for, uh, four years or whatever amount of time is, is appropriate. So, um, and, um, maybe that's not for everyone either. Um, and, um, Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of losing my train of thought there. So, I, I think that, you know, it, right. it's. Uh, I'll go back to like saying like everyone's different. Yeah. You know, so, like, there, you have to weigh if there's an economic advantage to one way or the other, you have to weigh it. And it's not for everyone. And there's value in doing what you want to do. And, you know, it, the other the question is like, I, I'm, some, I'm someone who believes in free college, cancel student let, and everything like that. Now, um, I guess what I would say if 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 the if someone says the answer is no, does your answer change if we implemented like a um, like those things? And if that's the and if that's the case, does if that changes your mind, then are we asking the right question? Maybe the root of the problem is something else. And I, I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with uh, schmapitalism. So I'll leave with that.
0: Uh, I think I'm, I think I need to do like a part two to this discussion because i think like there's a lot to be said here um and that that's a good point that you just brought up about the whole about capitalism like that's true that's a good question if if public college was free in the united states would those of us who said it's not worth it would we still say it's not worth it that's a that's a good question so i think i need to do like a part 2 to this conversation maybe not so much on youtube but maybe just on calling. um Cause I know there's a lot to be said here, uh, but Greg, thanks so much for calling in. I do have to get ready to close out just because of the time. I have two minutes left. Oh, he disappeared somehow. I don't know what happened. Okay. Um, all righty. Thank you so much, a kid for the super chat Sabby. Thanks. Continuing to focus on important subjects. RBN truly understands what are folks priorities. Hope you drink nice brew on Friday. I forgot to tell you guys what I was drinking tonight. This is an IPA, it's by Fiddlehead, and this is from Vermont. Really cool place if you like IPAs. Uh, Also, shout out to John McKinney for the super chat. Imagine if Ted Nugent held a fake severed head of Biden or Fauci like Kathy Griffin. Wouldn't be funny, but it's free speech. All right, thanks for the super chat. Thank you so much. Thank you for the super sticker, Patty R. Thanks so much. And I have one minute left and I do have to head out. Everyone who joined me on call in, thank you so much for joining me for joining Savvy Sab's podcast on call in. Oh, remember Saturday. Oh, shoot balls. Guys, I actually will be live tomorrow. I just almost forgot to tell you. I'm usually not live on the weekend, but tomorrow we're doing a ballot initiatives panel. So for those of you who've been asking me questions about ballot initiatives, I do have a panel for that tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All of us on the panel live in states that have ballot initiatives. We're going to tell you what they are, how you do ballot initiatives, and the ones that we have implemented that have passed and the ones that have not passed in an open discussion. So definitely come hang out with me tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you're going to learn about what you can do on the local level. Other than that, guys, you know how we do this. Have a good night. Keep up the fight.